0: but uh it's so you, and you may have seen this on websites i don't know if you have an ad blocker blocker or not i do uh i kind of do i use privacy badger uh-huh. uh which is a tracker blocker rather right. than an ad blocker specifically because mm-hmm. uh, i'm not opposed to ads inherently but i am opposed to third-party tracking
1: yeah, I um, I use Ghostery mm-hmm. um, on my Mac, and I use OneBlocker, the app OneBlocker on yeah. iOS, um, and I let it block everything mm-hmm. except if I, like, make a conscious de- decision that, like, this is a website who I want to not... Yeah. And it's not, i'm not even taking away money from them i don't like that argument but if this is a website I, I would i do like that argument like but i would like to opt into the way they want to make money mm-hmm. i will not block ads for them and i'll whitelist them and yeah. i
0: will see I, I go a step further and i actually support a number of websites on patreon yeah so yeah. like that's that's my um justification for a lot of them and i i like bought a washington post subscription and right uh, so I am I am like directly supporting people I love rather than just choosing to see their ads.
1: Yeah, well, there's a like there's one website specifically, uh, Daring Fireball, mm-hmm. that doesn't have a membership. Yeah, like, he, he sells t-shirts every yeah. once in a while, but like either, he doesn't directly take money. But he mm-hmm. has really non-obtrusive ads from the deck. Yeah, on the site, so I don't block the deck because yeah. the deck the websites that have the deck ad network are are good. Good and their ads are fine and they're yeah. not gross and.
0: Yeah, what scares me about some ad blockers and why I use—we'll uh, get back to our advertising in just a moment. Yes, uh, why I use uh, Privacy Badger? Is a, it's it's run by the EFF, so oh, it's it is. it's privacy first. Like right. that's that's their thing. Yeah, um, and they're also a nonprofit, so I don't have the fear of something like AdBlock Plus, which just monetized oh. all of their users. And I don't know Ghostry particularly well, but I suspect it's a for-profit company or it's not a, it's not a 501c3 at least.
1: It's not, it's not a non-profit, but it, um, they, Ghostry is like a side project of this larger company that does other stuff. Okay. And it just, it turned out, I don't know what their other main products are, but it yeah. turns out that like building an ad blocking, like system. Mm-hmm was really easy for them based on the other stuff that they do okay <laughs> and they, and like they they seem pretty legit but uh-huh. yeah the uh the ad block plus nonsense yeah is infuriating yeah you,
0: okay we've we've blocked all these ads but now companies can pay us and now here's
1: our ads yeah
0: it's it's super gross yeah
1: it that's the that's the worst kind of nasty shitty bait and switch yeah um uh, mozilla released a web browser
0: they have one for ios i know called brave yeah.
1: which essentially did the same thing but mm-hmm. at least it wasn't a bait and switch and they
0: they told you up front they told you up front like <laughs> this is
1: the purpose of the project we block all ads and then we like show you some and, of ours. and we vet that yeah. like, come through yeah and do uh, a and do a revenue share and like yeah, yeah then publishers are like gross we would just rather make the money we the way we want instead of you giving us less money than we would have gotten yeah like ugh, it's complicated it's, it's gross
0: yeah. uh yeah, so Project Wonderful is a rolling bid, a rolling auction. So you can, anywhere you see a Project Wonderful ad, there's a button that says your ad could be here. Mm-hmm. Somebody, somebody says your ad could be here right now. Somebody says your ad could be here for $1.25 or for, you know, $0.10. Cents. Mm-hmm. And you, like, have an account and you build your ads and, you know, where you want them to click through to. And you bid a certain amount for a certain period of time. So you could bid a dollar per day for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can also cut it off at, like, if I spend $10, cut it off. Yeah. And if you have bid the highest amount, you pay what you've bid for the period of time you've specified, and then it stops.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, and there's very little overhead. There is some. Like, Project Wonderful makes a, makes a cut, but a lot of it just goes straight back to the person running the website. It's not an ad network. You can turn off any ads you don't like, uh you have full user control of what ads show up on yours. You can put restrictions like no animation or nothing to uh, not say for workplaces or you know specifically allow those or hmm. you have a lot of control. Uh, some websites say, I have to vet every ad that comes through like i I have to approve it like not it won't, just...
1: it won't show you anything until you like, well so so if enable. you if you
0: bid on that website, your bid is not approved until the owner of the website says, "Okay, yeah, you can be on my site, gotcha.
1: Which is nice that's smart yeah
0: um, and you'll you once you see them you'll see them more often like once you know they exist mm-hmm. uh, if assuming you see ads yeah uh, but literally the reason I did it was because there, the ad on that website was for a website I like and I'm like I want to buy out that guy <laughs> <laughs> I want to pay slightly more than him and take his ad spot for the day. <laughs> Uh, and so I paid five bucks and he could up his bid in 10 minutes and then I won't have a spot anymore, which is fine because right. I'm only out the money that was being spent while the ad was playing.
1: Right. Cause you said you spent $10 for a certain period of time, yeah. but then if you're outbid before then it's. Then I haven't pro-rated. spent that money. Yeah.
0: Nice. So yeah, I'm, I'm paying like, you know, I, I think my bid was five bucks a day only on Canadian traffic though. Cause the U S traffic price was too high. Huh? Uh, so you can do U S Canadian Euro and everywhere else. Um, and so you can specify those, and so you can bid across all of those. You can bid in one or the others. That's really smart. Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. I'm glad something like that exists. Yeah,
0: and uh, I doubt it'll have any effect whatsoever.
1: Oh, I definitely. but I,
0: I, I realized I had five bucks in my Project Wonderful account already, and so I'm like, sure, do it.
1: Yeah, why not? <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, they... and our, our
0: podcast is uh, our, our podcast ad is pretty dumb. It says "unprepared." <laughs> There's a picture of a microphone. It says a podcast with Jesse and Kevin. Huh? Like that's that's, I, that's all kind is. of
1: all you all there is to describe yeah it. <laughs> I, I was like
0: you know what i'm putting as little effort into this as possible uh i repurposed the work from our uh logo on itunes Yep. <laughs> uh, i had to redo the text though so it's no longer in comics hands okay that
1: kind of makes me feel better
0: <laughs> it's in helvetica <laughs> so i'm like what's what's the most
1: boring font for font lovers it's helvetica yeah yeah it should be unprepared uh Star Trek and Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I think every episode has a mention of at least one of those. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of ad blockers, I watched a really great video that I'll put in the notes. Um, are you familiar with the XOXO conference? Nope. It's a, it's a conference that internet people go to and they Nerds. talk about internet things. Um, and this writer, uh, her name is Sarah Jong, Okay. Uh, she is like a, she writes about like law and technology and copyright and internet security and those kinds of topics. Sure. And she gave a really, really good talk about ad blockers and why she's a writer who's employed by media companies and writes for publications that all make money on internet ads. Mm-hmm. And she uses an ad blocker and tells everyone that she knows yeah. to use ad blocker. Because even though that's the only way she makes mm-hmm. money. Is she still thinks it's the right thing to do?
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, a person that you and I both know runs a well-known movie website, mm-hmm. uh, and he and I had some interesting conversations about ad blockers.
1: Yeah, because I, I guess all that all his money comes from ads. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Although uh, his website does have a subscription service now. Yeah, and so I've done that, and so I'm now a supporter of his website. Uh, and then I, was fi- I felt fine turning on my ad blocker for it. Because before that, I had, I had whitelisted his site and others. Uh, but again, because I'm like, hey, I want, I want privacy. Like, privacy is my concern. I don't right. mind seeing ads. Right. Um, but so many of the networks like uh, well, the Google AdSense, um, most of the other ones track you. Other things on websites track you that aren't ads, and I don't like that either. Right. Um, but if it's a website I like and I can support it, I will
1: exactly yeah um and her sarah jong's argument in that talk is mostly like it's dangerous like Mm -hmm. it's just dangerous not to because there's too much malware that comes through ads from ad networks that don't Mm -hmm. vet anything yeah uh and honestly the like the non- uh, like moral upstanding argument for me is it makes browsing the web way
0: faster. It does. That is another benefit that's kind of sad.
1: Yeah, like I can load a, you know, loading a page. I remember like The Verge was like one of the ah, worst offenders. The Verge offenders. is still terrible. It'd be like a 50 megabyte page load just yeah. to like read an article of text. Yeah, with which is mostly text. <laughs> with, like, with like maybe a couple images in it. Yeah. And then you turn on an ad blocker and it's like one or two megabytes. Yeah. And that's just, I. it's gross. Yeah, it's gross. Because they're using that for all things that I don't really want to consent to, mm-hmm. and if I had, and you don't have to, right? And if I had to say, like, well, like they, the Verge has to make money somehow. Would you rather just not have the Verge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 it, it depends. <laughs> it depends on the website of yeah. the publication. Yeah. Like, you can do that calculus. Like, I would rather have Daring Fireball mm-hmm. than have Daring Fireball and, like, only, like, not look at ads. You know what I mean? Like, it's worth it to me to look at ads so Daring Fireball exists. It's not worth it to me to look at ads so The Verge exists. I don't care that much about it. But I am glad a lot of websites are doing, like, direct subscription. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, Patreon does it. I mean, Patreon does it for lots of them. A lot of them are doing direct subscription. And the thing is, most of the websites don't need everyone to be a direct subscriber. Right. They need a lot of people to be direct subscribers, but not all of them.
1: Or, like, some and then, yeah. and then, like, good ads. Yeah, which is another option. That give you less money, but yeah. they're nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: there's one website that I... Uh, it's not active right now because the uh, the owner of it had some family stuff. Like, his wife has super terrible cancer. Mm. Uh, but um, they started it and said, we're never going to have ads. And we're always going to be 100% free. We're not going to have, like, privileged content for anybody. Mm-hmm. But we need to survive... So send us a couple bucks yeah. if you like what we do. Yeah, yeah, uh, I like which that. Which is pretty cool. Um, but they also started with sort of a built-in user base. Like the the two guys who did it had been doing like video games journalism, which is a video game website, uh, and other things for many many years, and had had a pretty big fan base. Yeah, but
1: hmm, there was um, what was it? Uh, the Toast. Are you familiar with yeah, that website? I'm sad the Toast died, which shut down. Did they shut down with Hillary Clinton's op-ed? Was that like the last thing published? I don't there? know if that was
0: the last thing they published
1: there, but, but it was. It was towards the end. So the, yeah. the Toast was a really great website, kind of like by and kind of sort of for women.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd say women focused, but not yeah.
1: exclusively. Right, like I enjoyed reading. Yeah, about there's the lots subject. of good stuff on there. Um, but they were. I think they had, like, a little bit of ad revenue, but they, at the bottom of every one of their articles, they had, a like, a tip jar. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, did you like reading this article that give us you, a book. like, just read to the end because yeah. it was probably really good? and Maybe give us a little bit of money. Yeah. And then they still shut down. Yeah.
0: Uh, the, the article from them on, like, why they were shutting down was pretty impressive, too. Yeah. Like, it's like, we're just miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like, we did good stuff, and we thought this would be better, but we don't like it anymore, so. Yeah good job everybody bye i guess uh the only way that you can or one of the easy ways to do things Mm -hmm. create content uh for the internet sustainably is to do it for almost no money like us yeah like you just don't you don't have to make money yeah and then you can just keep doing it but it's a
0: terrible way to get good internet content
1: right like our that's why our podcast i bet imagine how good our show would be if we quit our jobs (laughs)
0: if we quit our jobs we would have a lot of effort to put into this podcast (laughs) right
1: but then we would need the money and we would do a lot of things that guaranteed us money yeah and blah blah blah. or we can just do it for fun and not care and not Mm -hmm. need to make money so we don't yeah but i i
0: wish i don't wish that the barrier of entry was higher because i think it's great that the barrier of entry of putting things on the internet is low Mm -hmm. is incredibly low uh, I think it's beneficial and democratic and gets more voices out in the world. Yeah. Even if some of them are terrible.
1: But Like ours, probably. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I wish people had better critical faculties. Because, like I see, well, I, I follow Twitter, uh, for exposure dot, underscore txt. Okay. Um, which just posts like all of the ads and requests for people to do artistic work for free.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've seen a lot for of exposure, these things. Right. You
0: know, uh spec work contests, things like that. I'm like right. we're having a contest. Everybody submit your best poster for us and we're going to use it as our brand and you'll get 20 bucks. Right. Uh, which is super exploitative and terrible. Yeah. Um and I I worry sometimes that all of the free unsupported content out there, not unlike ours, um, like fosters this environment of, well, everybody just does it for free. So why can't you do it for free? Like if I, why can't I hire you to do it for free?
1: Right. Um,
0: I don't think that's true because we're doing this because we enjoy it. Uh-huh. I, I would not for free make someone else's podcast.
1: Right. Right. True. And I think that's the important distinction, but someone might have a hard time understanding why you wouldn't mm-hmm. because they're like, well, you already do one for free. Like, why wouldn't you do mine?
0: because i like doing mine (laughs) right (laughs) when i do it
1: for you it's a job right exactly require money i um i had the the tiniest like non-real adult world version of this when i was younger Mm -hmm. when i was in like high school and Mm -hmm. like early college um i got the reputation as at my church of being like the guy who knows stuff about computers yeah right yeah and luckily i was lots of people i'm friends with especially working at a apple store mm-hmm. like people i know are used to doing that for their families yeah but my mom is is way more into computers than i am and <laughs> was always more knowledge, knowledgeable than yeah. me so i never had to experience that but then everyone at my church was like oh jesse's the computer guy so all these old people <laughs> whose computers don't work were like Would hey jesse you want to like come fix my yeah computer. come over real quick after church and fix my computer and at first i was like yeah i like computers that sounds fun and then it just became like an every week someone new was like, hey, I, you know, so and so told me you got their computer working again. Like, do you want <laughs> And I did that like, f- like five or six times. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? hundred bucks. Like I. Yeah. Cause it, cause it so quickly mm-hmm. stopped being fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's work. <laughs> right. And that's what I realized. Like, oh shoot. Like they're just making me do work for
0: them. Like, like fixing I- your own computer can be fun cause it's a problem and you want to solve it and you're invested. Right
1: but yeah and it and I felt like a jerk and, and I, but I wasn't like making a living or anything no. like that so I wasn't like really struggling with this the way mm-hmm. that lots of freelancers oh yeah like creative freelancers really struggle with that but yeah yeah I, I never understood that until hey fixing computers isn't fun it's when worth. everyone just expects you to do it for yeah. free yeah. yeah and people stopped asking me <laughs> hey, there was somebody uh, I used to work
0: with who was just like casually once like yeah a friend asked me to go shoot his wedding this weekend so I think I'm gonna do it I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. Is that you know? I know you want to be a professional photographer, like you mm-hmm. know, you're making pretty good money off it. He goes, no, I'm doing it for free. And I'm like, no, you're the problem. Stop. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you like these people. Like, yeah. Give them a discount, but you can't just. Right. Do your art for someone else. Yeah.
1: Do your art for you. That's not that one. That example might not be as harmful because hopefully the people who are having their wedding shot for free aren't gonna be like well now i can just get all my wedding photographers yeah like, like having a wedding is something that happens a lot for a person that's true um but it still makes me mad right but it still contributes to that yeah idea
0: also like weddings make me a little angry but <laughs> <laughs> because
1: everything is overcharged everything for is wedding.
0: absolutely overcharged and it drives me nuts um which is not to say you shouldn't pay your photographer right but you should get like a reasonable rate that doesn't have a wedding tax applied to it right
1: um that was when when i got married that was the one thing that we we were like we don't care how much this costs like <laughs> we we will we like scrimped and saved and uh-huh. you know I went pretty tight on all the other stuff but you had a real nice expensive like, wedding photographer we like we're just gonna find the photographer we like and we'll just pay them whatever they ask. We <laughs> don't care. So we spent a lot of money on a photographer. Yeah. Were the photos good? They're great. They were That's incredible. Good. Like the best good. photography I've ever seen. Um, so I guess it was worth it, yeah. but Yeah. but I mean clearly it did not cost them that much. Like they you you make an insane yeah. profit when you do it. One
0: thing that bugs me about and this is this is a larger problem and I've I have questions about it and like feelings is the the copyright issues over wedding photographs. Hmm. Yeah, because um, you don't own the copyright of your wedding photographs. True. Um, so you can't do whatever you want with them. Right. Um, and I'm a, I'm a pretty big proponent of copyright. Like, I'm, I'm okay with protecting your actual copyright and mm-hmm. owning the stuff you make. Um, but I don't know that I'm comfortable hiring somebody to take a bunch of pictures of me that they then own. Right, like, what am I? Like, I'm paying you for the work. Yeah, I'll give you for that for the labor. Mm-hmm. And some prints, but I want to also own the work that I have paid for.
1: So does that mean because you're
0: not going to make additional profit off of my wedding photos?
1: But they they can they can what what they're what they're by by the photographer owning them they're having the rights to use them to advertise themselves absolutely. So would you want them to have to request your permission? to yes. at use the mm-hmm. photos they took of yes. you. Whereas the way it stand- normally mm-hmm. works, I would have to ask permission of the photographer to use those photos in yeah. something I wanted to use yeah. them for. Besides uh, just making, you know, mm-hmm. prints and copies and stuff for And myself.
0: there are, well, even then you can't do that. Technically.
1: I guess. But, like, when we talk to them, you know, you come to an understanding, but there's, there are, like, the I've, legal My mother, who
0: is, is a scrapbooker. Um mm. took some photographs to be uh, enlarged that were of like family members, uh, to like Costco.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the person at the at the enlargement desk there or the photo booth was like, I can't do this for you. These look like they're professional and so you don't own the copyright.
1: What? Yeah. You can't just assume I know you can, which was a bigger problem. <laughs> means-
0: like these look professional, so I don't think you own the copyright, so I can't copy them. Whoa. Uh, which was a whole big thing. Uh, it also, and I think my mother got it done anyway. Um, there were also, this is kind of sad. They were for my grandfather, uh, who was dealing with uh, the early stages of Alzheimer's, and Ugh. we were recommended by his doctors to have like a photo book with everybody's name in it, yeah, and a picture of who they are and their relationship to you. <laughs> um, so my mom was having very little of that.
1: That's a stupid <laughs> hurdle for that. Yes, for creating that project.
0: Uh, but. Uh, and then there is a precedent, like, in copyright works to own the copyright of something that you pay someone to make. It's called a work for hire. Um, and it gets abused. Like, Stan Lee owns none of his creations because they were all work for hire for Marvel. <laughs> which is the bad side of that.
1: Oh, that's sad.
0: It is. That's why he's still going to cons. That's why he's still doing events.
1: So he can make a living. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Guy's, like, in his 90s. And... Does not make any money off of Spider-Man, the Fantastic
1: Four, the other things he created,
0: not Batman.
1: But. If if I was running Marvel, I would like, wouldn't you just give him a pension or something like you should like goodwill? Like, <laughs> hey, Stanley, thank you for creating everything that made us valuable. Like, we're just going to make sure you're all set. Like, wouldn't that be a nice thing for it Marvel would to
0: do? But they're not going to. Um, And so, like, in some cases, work for hire is a bad thing, that point. Sure. But for, like, a wedding photographer, a specific, like, this is an event that matters to me. Right. And I am hiring you to make these photographs. I feel like that should be or could be a work for hire system. Yeah. Uh, Now, if any photographer ever listens to me, I'm sure they're getting really mad right now for reasons. Uh,
1: uh my sister is a professional wedding photographer yeah. and she listens to our show so i'm oh, very cool. curious to see hi, hi jesse's sister what she thinks of this
0: um let me know if you think work for hire would be a good idea <laughs>
1: uh, like i'm ima- i'm imagining the perspective i'm not a creative person i yeah. don't create mm-hmm. works of whatever yeah art or otherwise um this doesn't count uh <laughs> this isn't art but i'm imagining like being a wedding photographer and doing that work and then not owning that work. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that's stuff that I created. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. then someone else has all the rights to it. Like from that perspective, that doesn't seem fair either.
0: Yeah. But what if I paid for those rights? Like what if I hired you for that purpose? I hired you to do the work of creating them so that I could own the copyright. Copyright is transferred all the time. That's why Mickey Mouse isn't in the public domain.
1: I guess I would just charge you more to own the copyright. Yeah,
0: but that's not even an option. Right. Like, there's not a wedding photographer that I know of that gives you the option of owning the copyright of these photos.
1: I'd be really interested to see what that conversation would be. Like, you're going to get married, you Mm -hmm. sit down, and you're talking with a potential photographer, and you go, Okay, now, like, what's your fee to own the copyright on this? And they go, What? What are you talking about?
0: Well, I'd like to own the copyright of these <laughs> these photographs you're taking. I would like to buy the copyright because when at the moment of creation, when a photograph is taken, it is by U.S. law immediately copyrighted by the person who created it. Like that happens.
1: Like the second the shot. That's, that's true
0: for any any work of art, and mm. photographs are works of art. They're not to look good to be works of art, yes. uh, and it, it is a copyrightable thing. And once it is made, it is owned by the person who made it. Like that's a good starting point. Like, yeah, that's the benefit. That's where we should start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like I should have the the option of buying that right yeah. from the creator.
1: I can agree with that.
0: Not a license, a straight up purchase that I own this copyright now and I can do whatever I want with these photographs.
1: Now, if you if you were able to do that mm-hmm. and then the photographer said, Cool, I would like to license this back from you for
0: advertising purposes to, you
1: know, post on my Instagram yeah. or post on my website. Yeah. Like Put in my portfolio. Yeah.
0: I'd be okay with that. And I'd probably let them do it for very little, if not free. Right. You know, that might be a negotiating thing. I was like, Hey, I will grant you a license for these purposes. In addition to doing that at, at no additional like cost, you know, we'll ca- call that part of the deal. Right. But I become the sole copyright owner. Hmm. And you become a licensee. Cause I want you to be able to show this off in your portfolio, but I'm also cautious about you using them in any way you see fit, because that is my image. Right. And now, it has, again, been firmly established under copyright law that a picture of you is not owned by you. Mm. It's owned by the person who made it.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: Um, so that's fine. But I would like to have some control over that, especially when I am the one paying for the picture to be created. Hmm. So I would like to own that image and those images of me.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I don't think you'd ever get a photographer to, no, to that. No, I've
0: talked to photographers about it and they all hate it
1: yeah it's they, it's their work they're an artist creating something mm-hmm. why should you own it
0: because I want to <laughs> and, and I, capitalism well. says I can get the things I want <laughs> if I pay enough
1: yay capitalism <laughs> yay uh, are you familiar with uh, and now that I'm thinking about it I don't know how this decision went there was a semi- semi-famous case of a monkey or mm-hmm ape or something yeah I a primate don't, i don't know how those taking are Taking a picture of his own face yeah took a camera from a photographer and took a selfie and then it turned into this legal battle over yes, who, who owned, it. owned the photo mm-hmm. the photographer who owned the camera or, or the, the monkey,
0: monkey yeah who took the picture i definitely fall on the side of the
1: monkey does that make the monkey a person no it means that it's really in public domain and anybody can use it okay i like that it's
0: a good photo it's a great photo. It's a really good photo. Um I the last I heard the, the copyright was not granted to the camera owner. Hmm. Uh, I I'm sure that will be still fought for a while. Yeah. But uh the, the the claim was that because it was not created by a person, it is in the public domain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting case. Less for me less for the copyright stuff and more of a like can we define a monkey as a person? Yeah. Who's capable of like having conscious legal thought. rights mm-hmm. the way a person does yeah
0: yeah probably but <laughs> they don't have all of the same rights
1: yeah hmm.
0: but yeah no that was it was a cool cool case anyway yeah yeah you can the the picture last i saw was on the wikipedia page of yeah and the, i've seen the picture on every yeah. like news article mm-hmm. about
1: the case that should be our our uh podcast art is that monkey
0: photo if it's in the public domain
1: <laughs> We'll check. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see where it landed. Are you familiar with? Uh, is it WikiHow? I think is the website. Yes. Do you know, what, you know what I'm about to say? I think so. So I, I guess all of the artwork on WikiHow mm-hmm. that illustrates the you know how to do their things, instructions on how to do stuff. It's all like traced stock
0: photography. Yes. Well, not all, not always stock photography. I found stuff on there that was traced. Like, here's the story. Um, I wanted to make a Muppet-style puppet. Cool. I still do. Like, that's not gone away as a desire, but uh, it takes a lot of work, uh, and I haven't put the time and effort into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I Googled how to make a puppet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was like foam puppet or foam core puppet or whatever. Uh, And I found a step-by-step sort of thing about taking a, a styrofoam sphere and cutting it in half and you know, doing all these things to it. And then I went to Wikihow and found the exact same images, but just like run through a photo filter to make them look drawn. Yeah. And I was like, "That's not cool. That's
1: yeah, because they're it
0: is it is derivative artwork and that counts. Yep, it's a transformative art. Yeah. But I was like, still not
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. But it some of so some of the stuff is hand traced. Really? Yeah. And that and I see this because they pop up as like funny pictures on Tumblr. A I lot. do see those occasionally. Uh, yeah. It's hand traced and. Hand tracing can be really hard mm-hmm. if the subject is detailed enough. Yeah, ask any uh, comic book anchor. Like a human face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's all these like horrifically disfigured and distorted looking like human faces that are hand traced stock photos yeah. or whatever on WikiHow telling yeah. you how to do things. Did you
0: see the uh, the WikiHow game? No. They show you an image and give you two possible WikiHow articles that it came from and you have to guess which one it is and there is a lot of really i want to say dumb but really basic things on WikiHow how mm-hmm. because anybody can create anything because it's a wiki yeah it's up there with the uh the three cheese blend video have you seen that no it's a rudimentary cooking video called how to make a three cheese blend <laughs> Uh, and the guy takes some mozzarella, some parmesan, and some uh, third cheese. I don't remember.
1: Maybe an Asiago? Yeah, we'll go with
0: Asiago. And he's got three bowls of them. And he goes, you yeah, got parmesan, your, your mozzarella, and your Asiago. And it's all shredded. Uh, and then you mix them into the same bowl and you mix them up. And that's how you make a three cheese plant. <laughs> <lion. laughs> and it's, it's completely straightforward. Like, there's no irony. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. Um, oh, but it's great. But also, as we said before I started this podcast, I learned how to braid my hair from a YouTube video. So, I have no, like, like I think it's neat that these exist and a little bit silly. Yeah. But there's also probably someone out there who's like, oh, that's why it's called a three cheese blend.
1: Yeah, probably. And there's probably someone out there who went, seriously, a video about how to braid your hair? Are you yeah. kidding me? You know that from birth. It's yeah. just
0: built into you. Yeah. Uh so I like part of me laughs at them because I know the thing. Right. But I also am understandable It's like, okay, this exists because someone needed it. That's cool too.
1: Yeah. I mean you gotta learn it somehow. Yeah.
0: Oh, that just reminds me of the uh the cook and mama's video. Is it cooking mamas? Did I show you this video? I don't think so. I feel I must have. I sent it to everybody. <laughs> it was an austin public access show oh, oh <laughs>
1: yes yeah we talked we talked about this on the show did we I think. yeah okay the, the two ladies yeah and they did an episode in, in their lingerie yeah, in their lingerie and they're drunk yeah and it's bizarre it's and super bizarre it's not it's called cooking mamas very low production quality yeah what's cooking yeah that's I don't on know. it's an austin public access yeah well Is it's not it? on anymore it, it ended okay. five
0: years ago but a lot of the episodes are on youtube yeah, but it's these two women who are just, like, I can't, I can't tell if they're doing a bit or not.
1: Or if they're just like that. Yeah,
0: which is perfect. Like, I love it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what you want it to be. Because uh, if
0: I know it's a bit, it loses some of the fun. Right. Um, but that, that treading the line of, like, is this real? Is this fake? How much of them is in this? Uh, and, of course, they're both both—they're named uh, Cola and Shasta Cola. <laughs> shasta they were the cola sisters yep Uh, so obviously those were fake names like i knew that much
1: right but uh, man that show was intense i hated it (laughs) i couldn't stand it it's too it's too bad yeah you don't like bad things um it has i guess it has to be really specifically bad okay most of the time bad things just bother me yeah i think we've talked about this a little bit because I, i love riff tracks um but that's a good thing because what you're well, watching Riffax is, is a good thing. what you're watching is the riffing but yeah would you just watch the bad movies? sometimes
0: like there yeah. there are just bad movies that i have watched because they are just bad movies i mean the room was huge before it was ever riffed birdemic was huge before it was ever riffed but i think that's because people have bad taste
1: and there's people with bad taste no who no, like nobody it likes genuinely
0: nobody genuinely likes birdemic Okay. shock and terror okay that's its full title <laughs> <laughs> if you if you genuinely like Burdemic shock and terror please call me
1: i've never i seen want to it. talk
0: it's so bad okay uh, we, need, we need to watch some riff tracks together okay uh they've got a new one coming out that i'm super excited about i've not seen nothing from it uh-huh uh but it's uh called the christmas circus and it stars wizzo the clown <laughs> uh Is and it safe to have clowns and things in 2016 anymore well this was probably made decades ago okay uh but mike nelson the the creator of Rift tracks uh did an hour-long video where he just read the transcription of wizzo the clowns christmas circus or whatever hmm. and it like just the reading of the transcription was so absurd <laughs> and insane <laughs> like it was just the words that people said like in their sentences yeah uh and i made it about six minutes in before i had to stop it because it was bad but <laughs> uh, i do i do love me some riff tracks and mystery science theater 3000 yeah which i kickstarted
1: the most recent season of very nice You're welcome everybody else so those are i'm trying to think of a bad thing that i like because it's bad yeah like maybe there's bad things that are that i think are good mm-hmm and everyone else thinks are bad
0: uh here's a thing that is objectively bad that i really enjoy mm-hmm. the movie dude wears my car
1: i haven't seen that but i am it's aware bad. that that's a bad thing it's a
0: bad thing and i like it. but you
1: do you think it's good
0: yes or do you like no, it i think it's the good. way it's bad i actually think it's good okay it's not good but i think it's good <laughs>
1: Like, you can agree when people tell you that it's bad.
0: Yeah, I'm like, sure. I, yeah. It makes sense. Like your points make sense. Yeah. I, but I think I it's good. I love it. Okay. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm also picky about the bad things I like. Mm-hmm. Like, I've realized that I don't like things that are intentionally bad. I hate them. Mm. Uh, did you see Kung Fury when it came out? No. It's bad. Right. Um, and intentionally bad, and I hate it.
1: That, that bothers me a lot, too. Like the um, let's see how bad we can make this to try to be funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that bothers me.
0: Yeah, it's it's you know the '80s uber '80s pastiche. Right. I like things that are made with passion and earnestness, and and were just disasters and no talent and just absolute <laughs> disasters, much like this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so things like The Room, which was like this guy's huge passion project. He spent millions of dollars on it. Mm-hmm. He allegedly filmed it with a film camera and a digital camera next to each other. What? Like two cameras side by side to compare film and digital. Interesting. We only have one version of it as far as I know. But that was the rumor that was circulating by the people who worked on it. Like these these absurd people who have tons of passion for what they're doing and uh-huh. believe in it so so fully right and it's an unmitigated disaster hmm uh birdemic shock and terror is the same way like it's very clear the guy making birdemic thought he was like making a hitchcock level film
1: like this is the modern version of the birds yeah
0: like the birds plus maybe uh vertigo like
1: bold yeah <laughs> uh and it's not so i can i can appreciate that like i yeah. i can i'd get really excited and fascinated by the effort yeah right like by how hard someone Mm -hmm. tried and understanding how they how they just completely missed the mark even though they tried so hard yeah kind of like uh like the Star Wars prequels
0: I don't know if they were trying
1: that hard I think (laughs) we can't get into the Star Wars prequels (laughs) why not (laughs) because then I'll get into the Hobbit trilogy (laughs) like the george lucas Mm -hmm. i think tried very hard and thought he was making something very good i think that's true and he's just someone with um his talents are not where he thinks they are yeah and he has almost like universally poor taste Mm -hmm. and so he made a bad thing even though he tried very hard
0: are you excited about rogue one
1: uh yeah i think it's gonna be great good I'm also pretty excited about yeah. it, but I'm
0: not. I've never gotten like uber excited about a Star Wars movie.
1: Same, like I'm not a I'm not a Star Wars person. Mm-hmm. There's you know like we call them warsies. That's not true, is it? No. Okay. <laughs> is there a collective for name for Star Wars fans? Uh, like Trekkie? I don't know of one. It's not like Jedi, is it?
0: No. There's gotta be one. I don't know that there is. I think they're called Star Wars fans. Weird. This ties into so this this ties into my theory of Star Wars. I may have shared it with you previously, um, but liking Star Wars is a part of the U.S. culture.
1: It's like baseball.
0: Yeah, it's like baseball and apple pie. Mm-hmm. Like you don't call baseball fans a thing because everyone's like, yeah, baseball. It's pretty cool uh apple pie doesn't have people who are like like people there are people who are obsessed about apple pie <laughs> but you don't call them piezers pie heads pie heads <laughs> pie pie
1: but yeah it's uh it's it's not like universally loved but it's accepted as your like it's part of the standard set of things normal people like
0: yeah like nobody's ostracized for being a Star Wars for liking Star Wars. Right. People are ostracized for being giant nerds about Star Wars. Right. But like Star Wars is the most successful film franchise ever. I mean, not really, but it's up there. Yeah, I think MCU beats that in a purely money standpoint. Mm-hmm. They've also churned out thirteen films.
1: Right. Yeah. Star Star Wars is the most. Yeah, it's it's the pop culture movie franchise. Yeah. Like inarguably it is the one Mm -hmm.
0: and so like if you like star trek you're kind of weird because a lot of people know star trek exists but don't like get into it or watch it
1: like me yeah which is fine it's like i said it's not part of the standard set
0: yeah it's not part of the the base package (laughs) yeah that's good (laughs) you have to work to become a star trek fan and so we give them names like trekkie or trekker Mm because people didn't like trekkie for a while
1: but do we like it again now?
0: I've never been, had a problem with it. There was a documentary called Trekkies that was not uh, portraying Star Trek fans in the greatest light. Yeah, I remember that. And so there was some pushback against the term. Like, well, we're, we're Trekkers now. And I'm like, sure, call yourself what you want. <laughs> like, I've been a Trekkie since I was a kid. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, but
0: Lord of the Rings fans don't have a f- cool fan name. I don't think so.
1: At least not one I've ever known or used.
0: Yeah. Well, the Lord of the Rings don't have like a universe; they've got four books and the Cimmerillion.
1: Uh, it's <laughs> no, there's it's Tolkien's Legendarium. Oh, is it? Is yeah, that that's that's the collective uh, works set in that universe. Okay,
0: which is five books.
1: Um, well, it's complicated. <laughs> there's the Lord of the Rings, which mm-hmm. is six books in three volumes. Okay or sometimes or one book sometimes sometimes three volumes sometimes one volume six books six books there's the hobbit one
0: book or three books
1: (laughs) there's the hobbit there's the silmarillion and then there's also a like smattering of other smaller works that are not none of them are complete okay so they're all like collected and can i
0: buy them in a book
1: yeah they're like collected and annotated okay by his son christopher mm-hmm. uh they're called the histories of middle earth i yeah. think there's eight or nine in okay. this in the series but it's not like it's not a complete book with a start and a finish that's yeah. one story that's all written by jrr yeah some of it's written and filled in by christopher that's and,
0: something that's interesting as well is for star wars and star trek and i can think of some other franchises that i think would do this as well there is always the possibility for more mm-hmm. james bond being another example we can always make another james bond movie right um there there i don't think there is ever going to be more lord of the rings stuff that is accepted by the large fandom
1: right nothing there will never be in more canon
0: yeah There will never be an expanded universe for Lord of the Rings. Although
1: there's sometimes the canon gets deeper. So a couple years ago, Christopher Tolkien published the book called the children of Huron, which is a, it's a story that's already in the Silmarillion, but the children of Huron is a novel length version of it. Okay. Um, That he wrote that J.R. wrote and Christopher used a condensed version of it in the Silmarillion and then later went and finished and edited the complete, okay, whole one novel-length version of yeah. it. Yeah, and it's not—it's not all completely written by J.R.R. because it—he mm-hmm. never actually finished had it. a finished manuscript <laughs> in a pile somewhere. Yeah, like right. it was. It's like, oh, we found this
0: thing. We're giving you a book now.
1: Right, but it was, um, the the way the way it's described is it's edited by Christopher.
0: Yeah, that's fine, but. Uh, but but uh, Harry Potter, another example, like right. there's going to be more Harry Potter because we've had a play. We've had we've got a five series film series coming five episode film series coming yeah. in. Um, and so I, I wonder if the fandom is more codified around that because there is the chance or the joy of something new coming around.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Uh, which is not the case for something like Lord of the Rings. Like we we made the three movies and then we made the three Hobbit movies. hmm and like we could make the simerillion into
1: like 30 movies <laughs> that would be a, a very difficult project yes Although i would i would love to see a i would love to see like hbo turn it into just like a never ending like 10 or 13 episode series per series yeah kind of thing it could be done it it could be
0: um, but it's very unlikely right. like we've pretty much tapped out what's going to come out of that universe right which is not to make it Lesser, or make people who love it lesser, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's got an interesting flavor because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think honestly, uh, Firefly and Serenity falls into the same boat.
1: Right, there'll never be more. There will never be more.
0: Yeah, uh, which is why that episode of movies with Mikey made me cry. Oh, God, it was
1: devastating. <laughs> and that, it's a great great episode of movies. With Absolutely. Mikey. And I always kind of agreed with it that there shouldn't be more, mm-hmm. um, but. Just someone telling me that still makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't say this often because it's super hipstery to say, mm-hmm. but I watched the premiere of Firefly.
1: On television? On television. No way. Yeah. Wow. My dad and
0: I watched it at my grandmother's house. Like it was on Fox. We had heard about it. We'd seen ads or something, but we turned it on and watched the train job when it premiered.
1: There were not a lot of people who did that. No. Wow. That's really cool. It is that is a very awesome thing to say. Yeah. that's a good fun fact.
0: I don't I don't like to like lord it over people like I was. <laughs> I watched it when it was on, so <laughs> because that's just a jerk move, right? Uh, but I think it's really cool that I was able to do that, mm-hmm. um, and so I was very excited when the DVD came out because I was able to see episodes that I had not seen before, right? Um, and was absolutely ecstatic about the film coming out mm-hmm. um, because I had been. A firefly fan from the beginning yeah like i had been from
1: the beginning yeah
0: i still remember at the end of the train job you you've seen all of Firefly. Uh-huh. yeah yeah end of the train job they're negotiating with the guy who's the head of the the group or whatever mm-hmm. he's like you'll never get what you want and mal goes okay and kicks him into the engine <laughs> yeah um and that was about my dad and i both burst out laughing it's like oh that's what this show is gonna be yeah this and it's such a defining moment um even though you later learn like that whole episode was written in a weekend because they canceled the first pilot and all of the like all of the stuff that was going on in the background
1: the production drama
0: yeah but in in the moment it was like okay i get this show yeah god i love that show it's a really good show yeah so but they ne- do have a name they're called Browncoats.
1: that's right good good collective for yeah them. yeah um the so there will never be more firefly stuff mm-hmm. uh
0: not counting the comics and board game
1: yeah <laughs> but i like i think firefly if there was ever to be more like it would need to be joss whedon oh absolutely because like he's the person yes right um and he's like still alive and is yes. capable of doing more there is
0: that possibility yeah but there won't be. No.
1: Um, or like with Harry Potter, mm-hmm. like J.K. Rowling is still alive. And, and, is and, and, still and is actively engaged. And will. And, like, yeah. She's going to create more Harry Potter universe stuff. And so similar thing with uh, the Lord of the Rings, it would have to come from J.R.R. Yeah, Like Christopher Tolkien, his son, has never created anything unique on his own. He didn't do
0: what the Herbert family did with Dune.
1: Did, did his children continue originally? children books? and other
0: people like they just farmed that universe out for anybody really and it was very divisive like there's people who like don't read anything past like the third book
1: yeah and i think even if christopher did do something mm-hmm. original in that universe i don't know if it would be accepted yeah um because it's just that universe comes from jr's mind mm-hmm. and it, it needs to and so he's dead and yep. there and there won't be. Yeah, like that's just
0: same thing happened with uh, Discworld when Terry Pratchett died, right? Uh, like there were there are a lot of rumors because his daughter helped him write his last few books mm-hmm. um, because he was suffering from Alzheimer's and you know mm. he was um, I don't know if you know his story particularly, but no, I don't. Discworld books are amazing. Pick any of them and read one. <laughs> uh, don't start at the beginning though; the first two are bad. Um, but they're they're in a shared universe, but they're not.
1: Really sequential. Wait, is Discworld is that a different thing from Ring World? Is Ringworld yes. a thing? Ring World is a thing.
0: Very different from Discworld. I think I read Ring World. Ring World's good. Uh, Ringworld's by N- Larry Niven. That's the um, one Yeah, yep, yep. it's it's about a giant ring uh that is has the uh circumference of about Earth's orbit that yeah. is spinning around a sun. Right, right. Um and is the like this massive object in space. Yep. Uh, object in space by the way is a really cool sci-fi uh, subgenre.
1: Isn't that the name of a Firefly episode? It is.
0: Objects in space. <laughs> um but like there's a there's a ton of like uh uh Rendezvous with Rama um is another objects in space. There's there's just there's so many great objects in space movies. <laughs> um where it's like there's this really weird thing and we're going to go explore it and yeah. we do and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> But Discworld is a large, flat disc mm-hmm. that is on the back of four giant elephants, which are in turn on the back of a giant turtle swimming through space. Mm,
1: turtles all the way down? Is that where this comes from?
0: No, because there's no turtle below the, the turtle. Oh, okay. The turtle just rides through space. Okay. The great Atuan. It's <laughs> the name of the turtle. Um, and so Discworld is kind of like our world, but different. It's in a fantasy, it's in a, it's tried as a very traditional like fantasy spoof, mm-hmm. um, but then expanded in a lot of different ways. Um, and there are three or four sort of sub series where you have the same characters showing up over and over again. There's like the Wizard Academy, uh, where you follow a group of wizards using working for the Unseen University. <laughs> um and Rincewind, who is one of who's the worst wizard he's just he's the worst of all of them <laughs> and everybody knows he's the worst um and then you have the witches uh which follows three witches and going and doing adventures and things mm-hmm. uh there's the city watch novels which start off with you know uh I think it's guards guards is the first one where they're just city guards and expands into a po- full police force hmm. um run by Captain Sam Vines and then there are a number of other standalone novels that are sort of independent of any of those, but they all happen in the same world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all great. The first two aren't, but all of them are great. <laughs> the first two are bad.
1: Uh, don't read them first. Are they skippable completely?
0: Yes, I think so. Or do they
1: do like do they do essential world building? No. Okay.
0: Like they don't do anything that isn't dealt with in another book better. Hmm. Um, because he kind of changed what the books were after the first two okay like he wrote the first two as sort of like this pastiche of fantasy and like send up of like fantasy things are weird right but then the rest of them really became a reflection of us and are much better because of that Hmm. okay um, i mean you can still read them but the like there are purists out there who are wrong who say you have to read them in a certain order or whatever um i have never done that and i literally picked them up either as they came out once they were i was reading the newer ones but when they were just in the middle i would just grab them at random because they are all standalone novels okay cool you don't have to read one before the other sometimes a few things are i wouldn't even say spoiled things happen from one book to another i mm-hmm. um, like oh someone's a corporal in this one but they're a private in the last one sure uh but it's not like you don't worry about it too much there is there is one joke about a werewolf that's um there's a rumor that somebody on the police force is a
1: werewolf mm. you want to, um, that's something you want to deal with
0: yeah and there's a lot of speculation that it's uh corporal Nobby knobs um who is who is just grimy and gross and hairy and nobody's really sure he's even human mm. um a lot of people think he's a werewolf. Um, I'm gonna spoil it for you because uh, like the joke's good, but it's not great. Uh, he's not the werewolf. Oh, it turns man. out to be someone else who is just looks like a normal person. But they keep the rumor alive. That's how they get you. <laughs> um, the, and but in like later books in that in that series, ev- everyone knows she's a werewolf. Okay, like it's not
1: hidden anymore. So if I yeah, if I read the book where it's questioned yeah. afterwards, I'll be like,
0: oh, I already know. But the the book is not ruined because of that. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're all great, but Terry Pratchett died in the past year or so.
1: Yeah. Fairly recently. Yeah.
0: Um, and there were rumors because his daughter was helping him write the last few that she would continue. And she like specifically came out and said, no, Hmm. I'm not doing that. Um, this was his world. This was his stuff. I basically typed it for him. Right. Like this is not something that I can try and copy.
1: Um, that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad people. I'm glad that those people in those positions recognize that. Yeah. When they do,
0: I'm looking at you, Frank Herbert's family. Because
1: <laughs> that's that's almost exactly what Christopher did. Like, yeah. I don't think Christopher's ever written his own original stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's not a writer. He was just used by his dad to copy edit. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, like he would. When when he was a kid, like, his dad would read to him what he was working on sure. <laughs> as, like, his bedtime stories yeah. and stuff. It's and, like,
0: and then all these orcs murdered a bunch of people. And, like, he you know, got <laughs> ideas
1: from him and stuff and used him as, copy, as yeah. a copy editor when he was old enough. But he doesn't do his own universe creation or anything yeah. like that. There's also, like, the Lord of the Rings. By the end of the Lord of the Rings, like, the universe is very wrapped up. Yeah. You... There's not really any leads for where else to go.
0: That's interesting.
1: Um, and you like you would have to do something almost completely original, yeah, to continue in the same mm-hmm. universe, uh, because he also almost completely fleshed out the previous twenty or, years, twenty yeah. or thirty thousand years, <laughs> or it's hard to understand exactly how old yeah, the it's, universe is. A lot is. of time. Um, yeah. So like, it, there's no one who. The, yeah. u- the only person who could have done it was J.R.R., and now yeah. th- th- that's it. It's over.
0: There's an interesting case of that with uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, mm-hmm. um, which I'm guessing you haven't read, but no. you really I- need to. I pretty I much know. I pretty
1: much haven't read anything. I know. It's okay. I'm <laughs> teaching you. You'll learn. No. Uh,
0: the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a trilogy of five books, mm-hmm. uh, all written by Douglas Adams, and uh, he died very unexpectedly.
1: Oh, really? Yes.
0: Um, aneurysm or heart attack while he was jogging or oh. something like that. Just terrible. And he's, he's, he wrote seven books. Um, five in the Hitchhiker's Guide trilogy and two in, in a completely different universe called the Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. <laughs> um, both of which are good. Like, all very good stuff. But uh, Hitchhiker's Guide ended, like the fifth one, ended very abruptly and sadly like it ends with the destruction of earth and all of our hmm. primary
1: characters that seems unusual for my knowledge of the hitchhikers universe because mm-hmm. isn't hitchhikers like kind of a silly yeah the first hitchhiker's kind of good
0: book starts with the destruction of earth and all of the everybody on the on the planet oh hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the ending that way also like fits sure but it was like it's like i remember i was i was a teenager when i finished it and it was like it hit me real hard yeah because it was like i i think they're all just dead
1: <laughs>
0: um, yeah that's hard to deal with in a
1: universe and douglas
0: in. adams had later said that you know he planned on writing another book um because he didn't like the way that you know, like he was he was in a bad place when he wrote it he's like i was very depressed um like i want to write another one to sort of follow up on it and hmm. he never did Right. Um, when he died, he was working on a, on a book called The Salmon of Doubt, which was in the Dark Gently universe. Mm-hmm. And um, what got left was collected along with some of his essays into a book called The Salmon of Doubt. Um, so it was sort of the last book he wrote. Mm. Um, but then uh, Owen Colfer was hired by somebody, I don't remember the full details of it, to write a sixth Hitchhiker's Guide book mm-hmm. uh, called And Another Thing. Um, And I don't know if it was good or not. That's a great title. It's a great title. Um, I don't know if it was good or not. I read the first 20 pages and then put it down and then promptly forgot about it. Huh. Like, I don't like I I think I know what happens in those 20 pages because I think he stole something from the radio series, which was made before the books were um, to get them out of like the world ending. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, I felt weird reading it.
1: Just wasn't right, didn't fit.
0: Like, part of me still wants to go back and read it at some point, but I don't even know where my copy of it is. <laughs> like, I put it down and then I feel like it just disappeared out of my life. Weird. It is very weird.
1: Hmm. What have you been reading lately?
0: Uh, what have I been reading lately? Um, I'm about a third of the way through a book called Fluency, which is another object in space book, actually. Hmm. Um, don't remember who wrote it i it was recommended by someone like on twitter and i was like oh it's on sale for a dollar today cool i'll go to amazon and buy it nice uh and i went to amazon and i said buy this and it said this book has already been purchased i'm like great even better Uh, i share an account (laughs) with my dad and my mom so (laughs) so apparently they would already bought it i don't know either way it was like great i'm gonna read it the premise of it is there's a giant object in space out in the uh asteroid belt and it's been there for a long time Mm -hmm. um and it sent something down to earth that was the roswell incident okay and all space exploration since has been working towards getting someone to this object in space
1: secretly but like yeah so like we've sent probes to jupiter Jupiter and
0: and voyager stuff out into the end of the universe it was all just a pretext for getting something to this object
1: that's my kind of conspiracy theory it was a good conspiracy
0: (laughs) um and so the book starts like right before the crew of six like docks with it okay um and the main character is a linguist and they brought her on so like shades of of arrival absolutely Mm -hmm. um and they 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 brought her to try and like because she had she's the only person on the on the planet maybe who who they could get who also had experience With um, languages that had no shared ancestors, Um, so she had worked in the universe with with um, uh, undiscovered groups or untouched groups that had never been interacted or had not been interacting with people for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had worked with those on Earth to do translations and things like that. Interesting. And so they brought her along. To like figure out, hey, if there's, if there's somebody here, we got to talk to him. If there's language, if there's writing, we got to figure out what it is. Yeah. Um, and I'm only about a third of the way through it. It's the first in the series. There's there's another one after it that's already been published, which I'm excited about. Cool. But um, there is someone there, and he, he starts talking to her, and it like makes her black out. Um, nobody sees him. Like she, he's just talking in her head. Like when she gets on the ship. Hmm. He starts like using her brain, and he can maybe read everybody's mind who's there, and she's not really sure what's going on. He's being kind of cagey, but the atmosphere inside the ship has been adjusted to be perfect for like humans and have like one g. Hmm. Um, and there's tons of food stuff and like a medical bay. And that's about where I am right now. So it it, it looks and
1: in, inviting for humans, except for this weird voice. Well, and he's head. like
0: he's like telling her like oh you, like I'm I'm you know i need to do these things but you won't answer any questions for her
1: yeah
0: um and so there's some mystery there
1: huh that sounds really interesting but it's really
0: interesting and i'm I'm enjoying it so far it's been a pretty easy read
1: um so that's nice
0: yeah uh, i read the first two volumes of march which was an
1: amazing graphic novel i need to read the third one is that uh john lewis's yeah. thing from about yeah, john Selma? lewis's
0: Mar- uh well it's not just about someone it's about the it's about the entire civil rights movement oh is it yeah Um, So the first one is sort of about the the early days of SNCC and sort of how he got involved in um, uh, like the sit-ins and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The second volume is very much about the March on Washington. Um, And I think the third March, the third volume, which I haven't read yet is about what happens afterwards.
1: Yeah. Nice. But really good,
0: really powerful.
1: Oh yeah. I meant like anything that John Lewis does is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just hits me. Like I, I I read the second volume in about, three hours
1: and was just <laughs> like oh um so the, the that book fluency made me uh, think of stuff happening in space mm-hmm. and uh have you seen the a trailer for the movie Passengers? Passengers yeah what did you think of it
0: uh I think that movie doesn't know what it is <laughs> Because I've seen two trailers that were, like, diametrically opposed.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I, and Which which can be just a problem of trailer editors. Yes. Right? Absolutely. You, they can, just, you can just make a trailer that doesn't capture what the movie is. Um, and the movie itself can be fine. Yeah. And um, I think the movie
0: will be fine. Like, it's it's based on one of the – a script that was on the, the blacklist for a long time. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you know what that is, but it's yeah. it's a list of – for our viewers at home uh, of like the 10 best unpublished or unproduced scripts in Hollywood. And it gets renewed every year and someone puts it out. Right. I'm like these are great scripts floating around. Somebody needs to make them. Right. Uh, um, and some of them turn out really good. And some of them turn out the beaver with Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the blacklist.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Um. Yeah. Something, something seems wrong with that movie. Um. <laughs>
0: It was originally, I think, a Brad Pitt Angelina movie. Really? Like it was planned to be. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, but like, on paper, it seems like a movie I should be like gung-ho for. Mm-hmm. Like really excited about. It's set in space. It's on a spaceship. Like, there's a mystery. There's a, Yeah. So people wake up out of... suspended animation yeah suspended animation in the middle of their trip when they're not supposed to and they got to figure out what's going on and something there's some mystery Uh thing happening on the ship and they got to figure it out and bad stuff happens and action and blah 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 like that seems like my kind of movie yeah but something seems deeply wrong (laughs) and i don't know the only thing i can identify that i act that Mm -hmm. i don't like is and i know like it's a movie made in america so there's no way around this but like uh jennifer lawrence and chris pratt chris pratt are too attractive (laughs) they're too attractive like if you're sending people (laughs) on a spaceship in suspended animation for 120 years or whatever it is to go do something that they're doing and i don't think a colony i think they're making a colony right generation ship like there's no way two people that attractive would end up on that mission let alone be the two that wake up and yes be the two who wake up (laughs) and i and i do and i the the romance between them doesn't necessarily bother me because like two people who are in a space and it's just them like will probably inevitably Mm -hmm. develop a romance
0: it's not unlikely in a hollywood film yeah
1: like even in real life like that's not i think in real life it's more complicated but um but yeah like that just that just bothers me like there's no there's no way they'd look like that
0: so you're you're real glad it's not Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie
1: <laughs> but i don't know why that doesn't bother me in literally every other movie <laughs> yeah.
0: all the movies there are just full of attractive
1: people right because everyone in every movie is is attractive cuz they have to be cuz that's how Hollywood well, works uh, sorry they don't have to be but
0: they kind of have to oh, be the
1: way the system is currently set yeah. up they have to be Um, But for some reason, it bothers me when it's in space. Like, people in space just shouldn't be that attractive. Because there's such strict criteria in all these other categories for why you would be picked. I feel like
0: you should be watching more Star Trek. There are very few attractive people on Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, mean, honestly, people haven't had crushes on folks like uh, Picard or Counselor Troy,
1: But they all look just like people. Not normal or average, but it's a normal like sampling of what different people look like and chris pratt and jennifer lawrence are not in any kind of like standard deviation of the norm they're both impossibly attractive people
0: it's weird to me that chris pratt is attractive now
1: yeah i mean he is attractive yeah
0: it's not that's not a bad thing but like he was the schlub on Parks and Rec.
1: Yeah. Is that like the first thing he did? It's
0: like, the first big thing he did. Yeah. yeah.
1: The first thing that got him noticed. Um, yeah. And like he, it, I guess it just goes to show like the way you're presented by the thing you're in. Yeah. Has a massive influence. I like, mean, to be fair,
0: when he takes his shirt off in uh, Guardians. Boy.
1: Yeah. But like that, that shot <laughs> when it showed up in the trailer. Yeah. People were like, everyone was like, oh my oh, God,
0: wait, he's hot. Chris Pratt is <laughs> hot now. Guess we didn't know that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and Jennifer Lawrence has always been considered attractive yeah. because she is a lady and you can't be in stuff if you're not presented as attractive as yeah. a lady.
0: Mm. Thanks, Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Ladies don't get to be schlubs. No. Without also being like evil. Yeah.
0: Uh, Melissa McCarthy has done some schlub work and I think is good because of that. Mm. Uh, I mean, bridesmaids, I think she was definitely in that sort of realm.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah. God, she's fine.
0: She's great. I wish she would make some better movies. Yeah. Like the last few she's made have made me like not at all interested in seeing them. That that
1: brand of comedy isn't my.
0: Yeah. Is my style. Uh, the Heat or The Boss yeah. or the one where her identity is stolen or she steals someone's identity, something like that. Identity Thief. I think it's called Identity Thief. Like yeah. it, they're all yeah, these yeah, yeah, super like straightforward names. I heard Spy was really good. Like I've heard, I've heard that one actually was pretty good, uh-huh. but I haven't seen it
1: yet. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, speaking of Parks and Rec, I started rewatching Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's my current TV Did you show. finish Battlestar? Yes. Okay. I finished Battlestar, and then I watched a couple small things. I watched, uh, I watched Luke Cage, which okay. we talked about. Yeah. And then I watched the C- The Crown. How was The Crown on Netflix? <sighs> How was The Crown? Um,
0: I mean, the hex next to me has been raving about it, so. <laughs> uh,
1: it's good in all the ways a Netflix show is good. Okay. It's well made, mm-hmm. uh, really well acted. Yeah. Um, but, like, I watched 13 episodes in two weeks, and now I, like, don't really remember anything that happened. That's not great. Right? Like, that's kind. that kind of seems yeah. like the one-off season Netflix show standard like i loved i loved watching it Hmm. Um, and now it's gone right and it just comes in and then dissolves and flitters away (laughs) um but boy like did it i love the style of it uh it makes me just really want to like have a mansion and servants and drink tea and
0: that's fair i'm i would enjoy all of those things
1: yeah um but it didn't didn't impact didn't leave me with anything and then i started watching parks and rec yeah and parks and rec i forgot how how much the show didn't know what it was until uh rob lowe and adam scott showed up
0: yeah the first season of parks and Rec is bad
1: yeah season one is straight up bad there's only six episodes but they're bad and then rob lowe and adam scott show up at the end of season two yeah and the most of season two is like fine Mm -hmm. um but the characters never really become the mm-hmm. characters until they show up.
0: I think we've identified why I never really got into Parks and Rec.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it has a rough beginning?
0: Well, because I stopped watching it around the time they showed up. Like, I watched a little bit after that, you know, when Adam Scott showed up. But I watched I watched the pilot when it aired because I was in college and it was on after The Office. My roommate loved The Office. Yeah. And so we watched that and I was like, this show is bad. Like, the pilot of that TV series is just bad. Yeah it does not know what it is Mm -hmm. uh it's the office but with a girl in the charge like that's right yeah and it's just bad
1: which sounds very promising like it's seriously under delivered yeah um also like rob schneider didn't in seasons one and two was like worthless
0: i don't think you're thinking of rob schneider
1: i think i am he plays the character Mark Brandanowitz on the show. That's not Rob Schneider. What's the, what's the
0: what's that actor's name? I don't know, but Rob Schneider is a carrot. That's not what. That's a South Park
1: reference. Um, whoever I'm gonna look this up. Yeah. Uh, Mark Brandanowitz is a worthless character. Like, and he's supposed to be like a main character, and he's yes, completely worthless. I will give you that. Sorry, I, <clears throat> Paul Schneider. That's a different person. That is a very different person which one is rob uh
0: the hot chick you can do it from every adam sandler movie ever
1: oh jesus okay (laughs)
0: uh and the the star of a series of fake trailers in an episode of south park where rob schneider turns into an increasingly absurd group number of things
1: yeah i'm looking at the internet uh rob schneider is someone who's dumb And Paul Schneider is a non-entity, a non-entity who somehow managed to lead starring role in seasons (laughs) one and two of Parks and Rec, and was worthless. Yes. Um, And then he left, and then Rob Lowe and Adam Scott showed up and made the show show good. Yeah. And but it wasn't even them who made the show great. No, that's just when the show turned. The show turned great because now the characters had new relationships Mm -hmm. to be defined by. You know what that's it called?
0: Uh, it's the opposite of jumping a shark. You know jumping the shark is a phrase, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, from when Fonzie jumped over a shark. Mm-hmm. Um, the opposite of that is called growing the beard. And that comes from Star Trek The Next Generation. No
1: way. Yeah. When they- a show does a, th- does a thing and becomes good. Mm-hmm. Um, huh.
0: So yeah. Uh, that, and that comes from Star Trek The Next Generation when Riker grew a beard in the second season. Wow, Because the first season is is pretty rough. (laughs) Uh, But the second season really started to get things together, and Riker grew a beard, and everyone was better.
1: Nice. So how how much of Parks and Rec have you watched?
0: Uh, I think I've seen the first two seasons completely, and then occasional episodes after that.
1: Okay. Okay. And it's definitely the kind of show that is best appreciated from seeing all of it. Yes. Like a a standalone episode here and there might give you some funny jokes, Mm -hmm. but the main strength of it is knowing and liking the characters yeah that's what provides almost all the value and so i watched it i watched it through once mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago and loved it it's a the rare kind of sitcom that is based on like characters joy and liking each other yes instead those of, are instead of seinfeld right instead of the characters being bad and disliking each other and yeah. or uh and the jokes. everybody being, loves raymond right and the jokes being at everyone else's expense yeah the jokes are like for everyone's benefit like mm-hmm. everyone likes each other and then they do funny stuff yeah um so that makes seasons one and two during yeah. a rewatch bearable because yeah. i have i have a built-in fondness <laughs> you from, like these
0: characters regardless yeah
1: uh, but uh, it's a very joyful show, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like the first thing that's like made me feel oh, that's good. like joy and happiness and warmth uh, since the election. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> what's what was the last Star Trek series? Enterprise. Okay. Where? What's the order of them? <laughs>
0: uh it's funny actually i had to explain this to somebody at work recently uh i work with a gentleman uh who is uh, i'm gonna get this wrong
1: (laughs) not as bad as my rob paul schneider mix-up
0: um what's the country that donald trump called that he shouldn't have called
1: uh uh taiwan taiwan yeah he's from taiwan okay um are we are you comfortable recognizing taiwan as a sovereign entity or should we say he's chinese
0: I'm comfortable recognizing Taiwan as a sovereign entity, but I am not the president (laughs) fighting against 27 plus years of diplomatic intent. Okay. I just wanted to make sure
1: I'm willing to accept the consequences of of that China will dole out to us by recognizing Taiwan as a sovereign entity. Yes. Our
0: podcast will be censored in China. I'm fine with that. I'm not fine with it, but I understand it will happen.
1: That is a lot of potential listeners.
0: That would be a quite the international incident. (laughs)
1: So, you're co-work, co-worker. Uh,
0: have I told you my international incident story?
1: You, did, are you involved in an international incident? I have been. Incident? I've been involved in an international incident. I don't we'll think get, I to we'll okay. get to that.
0: We'll get to that. So, my co-worker um, is from Taiwan. Uh, and has, he's been in the U.S. for a number of years. Like he went to grad school and all that. Um, but he said, you know, I've never seen Star Trek before. And he knows I'm a big fan because one of my co-workers is also a big fan. We talk about Star Trek occasionally. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where should I start with Star Trek? And my mind just about broke because I'm like, I, I oh, man. What the, a difficult question! The
1: beginning is not an answer to that question.
0: No. Okay. Um, I still don't have a good answer for where to start with Star Trek. <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying, and I have, I have potential jump on points, but. Uh, so, Star Trek was originally a TV show in the '60s, st- uh, starring Captain Kirk, aka that guy. You know what's his name? William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Kirk. Uh, And it lasted for three seasons. It was actually canceled after two seasons, then brought back after a letter-writing campaign from its fans. Uh, Wow. Yeah. uh, The third season is not as good, but it does introduce uh, Chekhov, who's great. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a complete entity in and of itself. There were plans to make a Star Trek Phase 2, which was going to show the continuing adventures of the Starship Enterprise and its crew. Uh, And that never materialized, but it did kind of feed... Into eventually creating Star Trek The Next Generation, which started in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Next Generation jumped forward, I'm going to say 100 years, not 100% accurate, but about 100 years. Okay. And uh, followed a new crew of the Starship Enterprise as they explored uh, the galaxy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Captain Picard and Will Riker, who grew the beard, as we just mentioned. <laughs> um, and there are certain types of characters that you'll you'll get in every Star Trek. There's your captain, there's your first officer, there's your um, alien character, there's your doctor. Um, an alien is is can be different things, not specifically an alien. For example, in uh, Star Trek, it was Spock. Like he he's an alien. He you know experiences the world differently. And okay. He's, you know, highly illogical, Captain. <laughs> That was my terrible uh, Leonard Nimoy impression. Uh, in Deep Space Nine, excuse me, in Star Trek Next Generation, you get Data, who is an android. Uh, and he's the only one of his kind. And he's hmm. learning what it is to be human and does he want to be human? Uh, and is actually the focal point of one of my jumping on episodes, which is the episode Measure of a Man, which is in early season two.
1: We've discussed that yeah. episode at length. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's a doctor and there's a security officer, and these are all kind of standard there wasn't really a security officer in the original, but there's an engineer. So I was a chief engineer.
1: Are these like roles or character types? Like to in, between each season are they like are the characters the same type of character? In each
0: series, yes. So 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 in Star Trek the original series, it's always the same captain and security officer and all sorts of things.
1: But like is the is the captain in the original series the same archetype of a character as the captain in the next generation not at all okay. okay not
0: at all um but they but you're typically working with the bridge crew of a starship like that's right. that's sort of and you end up with these same similar sorts of types okay um chekhov and will wheaton's character wesley Crusher were both kind of kids we were a little bit too young to be involved in this but that's where they are so right. like that. but but their interpretations are very very different okay um and so Next Generation improved on the original series in a number of ways. And it lasted for seven seasons. It was more philosophical. The original Star Trek was very philosophical in mm-hmm. the sense of, like, it had a political agenda. It The first interracial kiss was on Star Trek. Really? On TV. Yeah. Wow. Huge. Um, and it had a multiracial cast. Like, it had Uhura. It had uh, a Russian that was really big. Uh, it had Sulu. I mean, like, all these different, like, that was the a utopian presentation of what the universe could be like. Right. Uh, which in the 60s was a very big deal. Right. Uh, and Next Generation went a little more philosophical in sort of that thing. It wasn't as strictly political. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went and explored the world or universe. Then Deep Space Nine came out. And Deep Space Nine is is contemporaneous to the Next Generation. They take place at roughly the same time. Okay. Uh, there's actually about a three-season overlap, um, where they're literally taking place at the second, same time. The last three seasons of DS9, or first seasons of DS9, last three seasons of Next Generation happen simultaneously. Interesting. And we're on the air simultaneously. But with
1: different people.
0: Different casts, different stories. Okay. Um, there was a crossover episode or two, and characters from Next Generation eventually became main characters on Deep Space Nine. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Some at the beginning of DS9, one actually after Next Generation ended. Okay. Because they were happening at
1: the same time. That's an interesting continuity. Those mm-hmm. should those should just be the same show. Well, yes and, and it no. Kind of is, because they're all Star Trek, but Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of context for that happening. Like there's not there's not another show that does that.
0: Not that immediately comes to mind, but
1: Huh. Okay,
0: continue. But yeah, uh, yeah. so those those took place simultaneously. The Next Generation ended, and very soon after, while Deep Space Nine was still on the air, Star Trek Voyager started.
1: Okay. Um, yep.
0: Voyager's had Captain Janeway, who was the, uh, the first female captain to be on a Star Trek series. Very big deal. Mm-hmm. DS9, Deep Space Nine had actually the, the first uh, captain who was black. That was Benjamin Sisko. Uh, he also, interestingly enough, didn't start out as a captain. Uh, He was a commander at the beginning. Hmm. One of the distinguishing features about Deep Space Nine was that they all started as junior officers or or lower officers Uh uh, placed in sort of this backwater space station. Deep space. Yeah. Uh, That eventually became the focal point of an entire war. Um, And so Deep Space Nine, which is arguably the best series. Mm -hmm. Everyone has their favorite, but it's probably the best. (laughs) um, Becomes heavily serialized as it goes on. Which was very unusual for a show of this time period because we're in the early '90s right now.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and follows the the Dominion War over its last four or five seasons, hmm. out of seven. Uh, and so, very heavily. But and eventually, Cisco becomes a captain, but he doesn't start out that way. He's a commander. Um, then Voyager starts about the time or after Next Generation ends, but while Deep Space Nine is still on, mm-hmm. and also takes place contemporaneously with these other two shows. However, um, in the pilot episode, the premise of Voyager is that Voyager goes through a rift in time and space. Not time. Just space. (laughs) um, And ends up in the Delta Quadrant, which is at the opposite end of the galaxy. Okay. And it would take 70 plus years at maximum warp to get back home. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And Voyager promptly wastes that premise. <laughs> uh, Voyager is great. There are a lot of good things to love about Voyager. Uh, but it took a really good premise and then didn't do anything with it for seven seasons. There's a lot of potential in that premise. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: question. Uh-huh. Uh, are there longer than, are there long lifespans in this universe? Like mm. is 70 years like a lifespan for yes. people? Okay. So it's not like, oh no, I got half my life. It's, this is my entire life now. Yeah
0: cool yeah it's basically like our kids may get home right um and they decide early on that they're not going to just maximum warp all the way home they're going to explore because they're they're the only ones they're the only starship from the federation in the delta quadrant they better you know might as well find out what's going to be here because we're not going to make it home in our lifetime anyway right nice uh so yeah um and it also another great premise wasted in voyager um, they ended up there with another ship from a group called the Maquis, who were, um, I mean, you can call them a lot of things, terrorists, you can call them separatists, you can call them uh, independents. Uh, they were not part of the Federation, and they were at one point fighting a Federation. Um, if I were to make another pop culture reference, I would say they were the browncoats of, <laughs> of,
1: of the Star Trek universe. But that would imply that the Federation is evil. Yeah. Which they're... Well, they
0: certainly thought they were. The Federation isn't. Okay. Well... That's one of the things you kind of discover over the course of like Deep Space Nine, is that things are a lot more complex right. than they're presented in the earlier like Next Generation, which is very utopian still. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a lot of more complexity there uh, that comes up in Deep Space Nine, hmm. but uh, th- which is also where the Maquis were introduced. Okay, uh, so the Voyager chases a Maquis ship. They end up in the Delta Quadrant. The Ma- Maquis ship gets destroyed, and so Voyager like brings them on as crew okay because that's the right thing to do right and so there's a little bit of initial conflict between the two crews but it kind of disappears as the show goes on which is disappointing and then they all
1: just get along
0: yeah and they all become members of starfleet and they wear starfleet uniforms the whole time and it's like well why did you (laughs) okay sure fine Another, another wasted premise um and so those three next generation ds9 and voyager are in my opinion the sort of core of star trek
1: that's interesting because they're not the, none they're of not. Those are the original. Um,
0: and there are people who disagree. and It's like, you know, original series forever, and they're wrong, and it's okay. <laughs> uh, and then after Voyager ended, uh, they wanted more Star Trek because this was a hot series. We had just finished three series over the last 14 years. Yeah. Um, and so they made Enterprise. And Star Trek Enterprise was a prequel series. Okay. Um, and it took place about 100 years roughly before the original series okay uh and this this kind of happened for a couple reasons a uh star trek first contact came out um which involved the crew of the star trek er, of next generation going back in time and being there when the first warp engine was created Hmm. Um, and being at first contact with uh, alien life okay um which was a really big deal and so that kind of spawned some interest in like the past of the star trek universe right and so i think that's part of the reason they did enterprise which was before there was a federation there was you know like earth was like pushing out and they're trying to explore things like they're working with the vulcans but they're not really friends they're like an alliance they're not a they're not a unified government organization yet um and it's the first ship warp ship capable of going like warp three which is not very fast in later years because warp 10 is like your your theoretical max okay um but warp 3 is a really big deal and they have this ship called the enterprise they're going to send it out to go like explore the universe yeah um and so they do but the tech's not as powerful um they're having their first time meeting a lot of these races that are very familiar from the other words like the the klingons are super enemies like everybody hates klingons Mm -hmm. uh things like that and it's not as good like it's commonly considered the worst series or voyager like they're both like hmm. lower in the spectrum but i think they have a lot of good things going on in them as well and it had captain archer who was played by scott Bakula.
1: oh yeah uh, which is really cool Hmm. and that's it that's all the tv series that's all the tv
0: series there's a bunch of movies right. um,
1: and then there's a tv series coming
0: yes star trek discovery is coming out early next year um, that i had a lot of hopes for and those hopes have kind of gone away because Brian Fuller quit or got kicked out. Oh no! Really? Yeah. Um, so at at so the, a couple months ago, it came out that like Brian Fuller was stepping back because he's got two other shows in development. It's a lot of work, um, but he set up the show for success, yada yada. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and then Brian Fuller made a statement like a day or two ago that was basically like, "They have my number if they want to call me." Oh uh oh it's like they've got my first two scripts that i wrote and they've got the crew i put together uh but if they want to talk to me they know how to call me oh, that's brutal and i'm like oh man and to be fair this new this new series is apparently incredibly expensive going over budget like i mean and it's it's gonna be unsuccessful it's gonna it's, and it's gonna be unsuccessful not because of the show but because they're premiering it on cbs all access
1: is that what is that
0: That is CBS's streaming service that you can pay like $5 a month to get access to some of CBS's TV series. Not all.
1: So nobody's going to watch it. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, oh, look, I guess it was a failure. And then they're going to divest from it and then cancel it. super sad. Man, uh, that sucks that Brian Fuller's not involved anymore because that's about the only thing that was about to get me to watch it. Yeah,
0: He wrote the first two episodes.
1: Yeah. Listen, Guillermo del Toro set up the Hobbit trilogy for success too. <laughs> well,
0: Discovery is also a prequel series, which makes me mad.
1: Like a prequel prequel cuz wasn't Enterprise you said it already a prequel. Apparently
0: takes place between Enterprise and the original series. Okay. All right. Um, but we don't know much about like what it's going to cover.
1: Man. Oh, God. Just just that, just the the visionary creator yeah was involved and then isn't on bad terms. well brian
0: fuller was involved with the old star trek series like he was involved in ds9 and voyager as well
1: oh was he yeah oh i didn't know that so
0: many great people came out of there uh your your beloved Battlestar galactica ron moore yep. came out of star trek mm-hmm. uh he was a showrunner on i think showrunner on eh, I mean, he was a writer and director at least um bannon and Bago. Br- i can never say their names right <laughs> bannon and brago were the showrunners of, I think, DS9 and Voyager. And they kind of took it over from Roddenberry when he died. Because he died during or right before Next Generation started. Oh, wow. Um, And they sort of shepherded it from there. And really, until the movies stopped. Like, they were involved in all of the Next Generation movies. They were not involved in the newest ones Mm -hmm. because they're bad. And to be fair, Brandon and Baggett, I can't do it. (laughs) I cannot say the names right. Um bannon and braga i think those are their names but i'm probably getting that wrong too um which shows you how much of a star trek fan i am i can't (laughs) think of the freaking producers names but uh and they they made some poor choices like enterprise Mm -hmm. but uh they like they were the real shepherds of the whole thing but a lot of great talent came out of there Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. ronald moore like
1: just blanking on things right now. <laughs> yep. Not even drinking. L- lot Brian of, Fuller, a yeah, lot of great talent. A lot of great
0: talent. All came out of Star Trek.
1: Yeah. Um, I like I like Brian Fuller uh, from Hannibal. Sure. Hann- Hannibal's like one of my favorite. Yeah. Like, Have you seen drawings, his other stuff? shows? Uh, what else has he done?
0: Uh, Wonderfalls. Nope. Which was great. Pushing daisies, which is great. Mm, I think I've seen a
1: little bit of that.
0: And I'm pretty sure he did Dead like me as well, which is also great. Yeah, he did Dead no. like me.
1: Nope. So it's mostly mostly uh, Hannibal.
0: Yeah. Which
1: is, boy, uh, love it. Can I make you
0: feel bad? Yes. Uh, Hannibal's the only show of his that had a male lead. All of his others were female-led shows. That's not true. Pushing Daisies wasn't, it was male lead. Oh. Never mind. But Wonderfalls, which is the, which is my favorite of his shows. Female lead? Female lead. And Dead Like Me is a female lead.
1: Hannibal is, yeah, mostly men. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, the one primary female character on Hannibal
1: psychiatrist yeah uh the 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 lady from the show about aliens no not Julian anderson oh then which one
0: she's like into will but then she's into hannibal
1: oh her yeah mm-hmm. yeah i have no idea what her name is uh carolyn danvers yes uh is the actress's name oh she was really good in hannibal yeah
0: she's the lead in wonderfalls
1: oh okay yeah she's great younger uh I mean the show came out ten years ago. So she, she's not in a show about aliens. No. <laughs>
0: uh, but in Wonderfalls, um inanimate objects start talking to her and telling her to do things. Ooh. That's the premise of the show.
1: Oh. Just like real life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, she starts uh like she worked she's a disaffected uh twenty-something before that was a popular thing to be. <laughs> And works in a uh, retail gift shop for a famous waterfall.
1: <laughs> um, that sounds like a terrible job.
0: It is a terrible job. Um, but there are like stuffed animals and things around her and they start talking to her and telling her to do things.
1: I mean, that kind of sounds like exactly what would happen if you worked in a gift shop for a significant waterfall.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a really good show. Hmm. I might have to watch it. One season. And canceled. Because it's a Brian Fuller show.
1: <laughs> what else are you going to do? Mean,
0: Star Trek was doomed from the beginning. Ocean oh, has got two.
1: That's very unfortunate. Uh, Dead Like Me got two in a movie. Although, like, a lot of the times, shows are considered good because they never got a chance to get bad. Yeah. That's true. It's kind of uh, an inevitable curse of yeah. making t- television. Deep Space Nine got better the whole way. Did it really? I think so. Wow. That's, so that's the thing with Star Trek is it seems so, it's so loved, but it seems so deeply flawed. Like I've never heard anyone say that there's a series of Star Trek that's just all good.
0: Mm-hmm. That's valid.
1: Like you, like you just have to, if you want to watch a mm-hmm. Star Trek series, you have to slog through some genuinely bad garbage and you'll get some really great yeah. stuff, but there's a lot of really bad garbage too. I wouldn't say
0: there's a lot. There's some.
1: There's enough. There's enough. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I have no problem with a show that's like has some bad episodes, yeah. right? But when there's whole, when it, there's like really flawed structural things with how the show's made or how the See, show works, that produces that... like bad seasons.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I would say Star Trek has bad seasons no no okay i would say there's always a mixture of good and bad now because people are inherently like like rate things like we're going to rank seasons you know oh one is not as good as three or we're going to rank series oh deep space nine is way better than voyager enterprise is the worst like we're going to do that right but for me it's all from the category of good enough i'm going to watch it true like when we finish DS 9 we're going to start watching voyager that's gonna happen Hmm. <laughs> so it's all within like the variances are within a, an appropriate tolerance sure okay that makes sense for me some yeah. other, other people might see oh what was, there's a terrible deep space nine episode where they get stuck inside a board game by an alien what run along home i think is what it's called it's terrible
1: stuck like, it's inside a board game a space board game well i mean it's star trek by
0: an alien <laughs> move along home i think it's called move along home oh it's such a bad episode
1: okay sorry i won't criticize that premise because uh one of my favorite episodes of television is the uh multiverse episode of community (laughs) which uses a board game it does use a board game analogy yeah create a multiverse yeah that's true um which then goes on to kind of inform the canonical universe of the show and it's absolutely and its existence inside a multiverse yeah
0: but i'm i'm also afraid it's where we get the phrase the darkest timeline yeah. like i think that's where that that got as, popularized
1: as, yeah as far as i know that's where that's how i became aware of the phrase the darkest yeah. timeline which is the timeline is
0: a, we're we, in yeah. <laughs> also pretty significant cultural achievement for a show nobody watched true
1: yeah <laughs> community had almost no viewers yeah uh and i'm af- i'm afraid that by putting by putting the community community universe into the darkest timeline <laughs> like the rest of us followed like when the show's writers made that decision they inadvertently <laughs> made the decision for the real universe too that's a that's a scary thought which is uh unnerving
0: yeah did you want season six of community
1: yeah the one that uh On yahoo? yahoo did yeah. yeah i watched it yeah it was pretty good yeah I had some funny stuff better than four yeah it See? was we it was things it was community <laughs> yeah yeah i don't like uh forced ranking stuff necessarily
0: yeah. i don't know if it's forced i just think people fall into those habits well i mean like
1: like if you have to say which season is better or yeah. which series is better that makes one of that you have to put something in the bad position absolutely like, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but you so have which to. Which is your uh, favorite inside. of the Hobbit
0: movies? <laughs> <laughs>